Welcome to episode number 113, Emma Hale-Smith. I'm your host, Damon Soka. Yes, it is that Emma, the prophet's companion for eternity. Now, before I get started today, there are going to be a couple of rules. First, you have to finish this podcast if you start it. Second, if you have concerns, you are welcome to contact me. However, only after you have listened to every word of it. I recognize that Emma is a controversial subject, and what I will discuss today probably not going to end that controversy. But for me, I found Emma. Out of all the famous historical figures of the church, I've always been endeared to Emma and her story. I suppose, like many, I have struggled a little with what happened with Emma. Many, like myself, have wondered why and what really happened to Emma towards the end of Joseph's life. Before I answer that question, I want to take a look at Emma and her testimony of the Restoration because it is important to the overall discussion. Emma was chosen, as far as I'm concerned, before this earth as a companion to Joseph, and to be equal to one of the greatest prophets to come to earth, to stand by his side. I would dare say that in pre-mortality, Emma and Joseph, as far as spiritual nature is concerned, were two of the most valiant of the valiant. The Lord chose Joseph and Emma to restore that gospel together. As you look at her character, nature, and boldness, one could easily see just how much of a true pair Joseph and Emma were. She was chosen to experience, along with Joseph, every event of the restoration up to his up to and after his martyrdom. She gave up her own family, a stable home life, wealth, and even gave her life and Joseph's life to the church and its establishment, all while trying to maintain some semblance of a family life. I don't think anyone would dare question her testimony of the restoration. She was solid as anyone. She was perhaps more valiant than any other member of the time, and certainly was far more persecuted than any other individual, except Joseph. And yet, his pains were her pains. Her testimony was never in doubt for me, and that is important as I work through what I will say today. I don't think her testimony ever wavered. Even during the time frame of plural marriage, Joseph's martyrdom, and Brigham's disagreements, She was simply suffering from a very difficult illness. Now, Lucy Mack Smith, who became her de facto mother, stated the following. These are her words. I have never seen a woman in my life who would endure every species of fatigue and hardship from month to month and from year to year with that unflinching courage, zeal, and patience, which she has always done. She has been tossed upon the ocean of uncertainty. She has has breasted the storms of persecution and buffeted the rage of men and devils, which would have borne down almost any other woman. It is from that perspective I would like to begin today. I am not going to rehearse the history of Emma Smith, as you can find that out for yourself in the several books that are written. The facts are for me that Emma possessed a very solid testimony of which we discussed, that had been tried in the refining fires of adversity. She was chosen before this world to hold a particular place in the restoration of the church and would sacrifice as Joseph did for its rise from obscurity. She suffered with Joseph until his death and after. We do know that she did not go west with the saints, and of course she had some disagreements with Brigham. She also had some concerns about plural marriage. Now I'm not going to rehearse all the issues that they had or she had. I could do no better than what is already documented. But I am going to try to add some perspective to what occurred, and in so doing, hopefully shed sufficient light upon the perhaps origins of Emmons' actions 
that will allow for understanding and, in the end, hopefully, more mercy towards Emma. Over the last couple of weeks, I have read various accounts of Emma because I, I wanted to understand her. That's really just who I am. I wanted to understand why and what caused her to make the decisions she did. Now, of course, with historical figures, that can be difficult, as everything is secondhand, except for her own writings, which actually were very few. As I read the accounts of her and Joseph and the later concerns with Brigham and plural marriage, I started to notice some patterns that I had not seen previously before when I had read about Emma. But strangely, I had seen those exact patterns in myself. The more I read, the more I was convinced that Emma suffered crippling depressions and anxiety, perhaps along with some bipolar episodes. I began to realize why I had been drawn to Emma. She and I had something in common. We both suffered from these terrible illnesses. Now I get it. I'm a man. She's a woman. But the things she did at certain times and several of her characteristic patterns appear so close to my own experience that I was actually almost shocked upon reading them. When I began to look at Emma from the perspective of perhaps bipolar or deep depressive anxiety-laden episodes, what I saw was a valiant servant of the Lord struggling to find her footing and acting in ways that were very explainable, if one could see the illness in the background. I realized that the idea is going to be controversial, and that, of course, I might be wrong. But for me, I found Emma, a powerful servant of the Lord, crippled with emotional difficulties. So today, I am going to lay it out for you. I'm going to lay it out directly as Emma would have. I hope to show that Emma had good reasons for what she was doing if you simply take her life and live it as though she had crippling depressions with anxiety or even moderate to severe bipolar. Now, what does this say about her? To be, to me, she becomes legendary status. To have suffered with Joseph under normal emotional circumstances would have been exceedingly difficult, but to do it under the burden of depression, anxiety, and possible mania? She becomes all the more valiant and dedicated, even in what some might term her failings. Now, we don't have Emma here with us, so this will never be definitive. But I would like to lay out the case as to why her decisions do make perfect sense and why, in my opinion, she deserves the highest of praise and respect, even while staying in Nauvoo. Even her decision to stay can be almost perfectly explained based on just a few assumptions of mental illness. In the end... When I see Emma struggling to find her footing before, during, and after the martyrdom, I see Emma suffering with one of the most difficult illnesses to ever come upon man and woman. So here's the case. I'm going to talk about patterns of Emma's life based on a variety of sources and use those experiences to explain why it makes sense that she was suffering. Now, we know that Emma wrote very little, did not keep a journal, and most of the things we know about her are recorded by others. I'm not intending right now to enter, enter into a debate about Emma or whether or not she suffered with bipolar or depression or anxiety. My purpose today is to simply show that it is very plausible that she suffered and that her illness provides a background for some of the decisions she made during and after Joseph's martyrdom and that the whole disagreement between Emma and Brigham or even church leadership might have been forever changed if something had been known about depression and bipolar at the time. So here we go. Now the first thing that we always look at in mental illness is genetics. Genetics are the first important factor in depression and bipolar. Now I have not read everything about Emma Hale's medical history of her family, 
nor have I studied their DNA. So the best, at best, what I have is circumstantial evidence. But from accounts, it appears that a genetic connection is actually very possible. The first very strong case is that her last son by Joseph, David Hiram Smith, was committed to a mental institution. And from what I can tell from the readings, it was for periods of psychosis. Now, really, that is a very broad definition. It could have been anything from bouts of serious depression to severe bipolar and who knows what else. What is important was that it was determined to be a mental illness during a time when little was known about these types of illnesses. During this time frame in our country and the world, most individuals would have suffered mental illness under the radar unless it was very serious. So in addition to her son, we can also note the changing demeanor of her father from time to time. Now, while moodiness is not necessarily a sign of mental illness, it certainly could be based on the time frame. While not all depression, and of course bipolar is of genetic origin, bipolar and some clinical depression and anxiety does have strong genetic connections. Science has been able to prove that so much so that it is one of the questions asked by psychiatrists and psychologists when discussing symptoms with their patients. When you consider the psychosis of her son, David Hiram, Joseph's last son, her father, father's moodiness, and her own patterns, it is very plausible that her genetics contain the necessary elements to provide for her difficulties. Now when we talk about Emma, the first thing I want to note about Emma is that she did not provide a journal or a history. Um, now I'm going to start with that evidence that seems to be so simple it just might be overlooked, but it was a sign for me that Emma might be dealing with something behind the scenes that she really didn't want to remember. Emma did not leave a record. She did not write a journal or really any type of a history. That actually seemed a little strange for me at first. I realized that not everyone keeps a journal or a record. Emma was educated though, and she knew that keeping records were important. She also in some ways understood how important she was to the church. So this part of her life appears somewhat out of character for her. Although it was eerily familiar to me, I don't keep a journal either. The why for me stems from my journal experience. I did write for a time obediently. However, upon rereading what I had written, at a later date of course, all of my memories would come flooding back. <clears throat> there were memories in those books that I'm never going to open again because of the deep emotional difficulties and trauma and because I simply didn't want to feel and experience those moments ever again. Many people who have mental illnesses don't keep journals for this very reason. We capture difficult emotional phases in those journals and they bring back memories we simply don't want to recall. The second evidence I'm going to talk about with Emma is called a codependency. Now Emma did write to Joseph and there were times when she couldn't seem to get pen to the paper. Many of her letters show a deep connection with Joseph but also a deep dependency upon his presence with her. Now anyone who has ever had a, or suffered a major depressive episode, has felt this dependency upon another for support. The physical presence of the support network is soothing to the illness, and deep anxieties arise when that network is gone for long periods. To remove the support network from our presence sends true shockwaves to our soul. I could see that in her writings, and interestingly enough, Joseph hints in his letters how he understands how difficult it is when he leaves. The telling sign for me is when she simply could not put pen to paper. She was emotionally paralyzed by the illness at times, and numbness 
takes over at times, that makes writing impossible. Now, my wife suffers the same way when I leave for a time, or did, and I have experienced this codependency with her. This codependency, along with other evidence, is actually a pretty strong indicator that at times she was suffering greatly. The third thing we want to note about Emma is trauma. Now, even without the genetic links and the evidence of this codependency, Emma retained sufficient trauma in her life to match almost up to Job. Miscarriages and the death of several children is sufficient evidence for a possible illness. But add upon that the stresses of rarely having your own home, moving consistently from place to place, your husband gone for long periods of time, that's who also your support network is, your husband in constant peril, you are under constant threat because if they can get to you, they can get to Joseph, children at risk of violence, raising young children while under persecution, being the prophet's wife, and then to top it all off, three brothers of what became her family were killed within a few days of each other, both Hiram, Joseph, and Samuel. Now, if I gave that list alone to a psychiatrist without a name, I have no doubt they would expect at least PTSD, if not full-blown clinical depression or bipolar. The final blow to that awful illness was the death of those three men she loved so dearly. The depression and emotional darkness that could result, that likely resulted from such an event, would be catastrophic for weeks, months, and likely even years. It would have been almost impossible to see out of the depressive fog for Emma for perhaps many years. So this is the fourth piece of evidence, and this is codependency and death of the support network. Now, Emma was very, very protective of Joseph things, including his writings after his death. Now, this is not unusual for someone who has lost their spouse, but for Emma, whose whole life and support network was wrapped up in Joseph through this possible mental illness codependency, those writings and belongings took on a whole new meaning. Joseph was not going to be by her side, and neither were Hiram or Samuel going to be there for any comfort. Joseph's mother was aging and would not likely last very long. Emma had lost her support network, and fear and anxiety and depression overwhelmed her. Emma knew how important the revelations and writings were to the church. But if you cannot have the presence of the people in the support network, then you can have the things that make you feel close to them. And those were Joseph's effects. Now, I know that Brigham and Emma had some conflict around these particular items. Brigham, the next uh, prophet trying to preserve history and church property, and Emma holding on to what little she had left of Joseph to keep her alive. Now, Emma needed those writings and belongings to preserve her own life or what was left of it. Giving them away was not simply giving away paper, books, articles, or effects or things. This was now Joseph for her, and she would not lose what she had left of him. Her reactions to Brigham show how deeply she was affected in her illness by the loss of the three brothers. Because mental illness changes realities, Emma was simply not able to see outside of her own dependencies. She was preserving her own life by surrounding herself with the support she had left. Brigham I don't, was not at fault for asking, but one could see how easily the difficulty might have arisen without understanding of her illness. When we look at Emma during this time frame and consider her actions in light of a possible deep depressive episode, she reacted exactly as would be expected. 
she could not have left Nauvoo or parted with anything associated with Joseph. The animosity and anger she appeared to have for Brigham was does appear to be simply the outcomes of the illness. Now, in addition to this codependency and death, understand that when we have depression, it is very possible that she believed that she killed Joseph, Hiram, and Samuel. Now, due to these anxieties and this codependency for the illness, Emma had actually asked Joseph to return to Nauvoo just before he went to Carthage. She had already crossed the, uh, the Mississippi River. Now, while we all accept that she was not at fault for asking Joseph to come back, um, and certainly not at fault for his martyrdom, depression would have convinced her otherwise. Not only would she have believed, under the influence of a depressive episode, that she was responsible, or at the very least contributed to the killing of Joseph, but also Hiram and Samuel, and the sufferings of John Taylor. Now, I have been on the guilt side of depression far too many times, and I would have believed that I sent them to their deaths. And I would have also have believed that the saints would have seen me as an accessory to their deaths. I would have worried that they wouldn't have accepted me any longer. The insecurities would have been very real to her. It doesn't matter what the saints thought. Though it doesn't matter what the saints thought about those things. For her, they were likely a reality. The next piece of evidence we find in Emma's life is after Joseph's martyrdom in her marriage to Louis Bitterman. The need to have a support network often causes issues in finding relationships and tends to, at times, cause even bad ones to occur. Now, this does appear to be the case for Emma with Louis Bitterman and their marriage. Louis was unfaithful to Emma, and their relationship was not the best one, at least if we believe what is written, although Emma remained with Louis even after the affair. Also, this is a possible sign that Emma was suffering and needed that support network. Dysfunctional relationships tend to occur with mental illness because of the codependency needs. It's also interesting to note, and another piece of evidence, is her reactions to plural marriage. Now, Emma was at times hostile to plural marriage and at times accepting of it. And then, even after accepting it, she would reject it again. Now, while there could be several explanations for this vacillating behavior... If she had serious bouts of depression and anxiety or even a bipolar situation, her actions would seem exactly as they should be. When the depression and anxiety was not as present, she would feel the truth of the doctrine and be more accepting. But when the darkness of depression descending upon her with all the insecurities that go with it, including that codependency we talked about, she could no longer feel the truth of it and her insecurities would get the best of her. From one who has lived codependencies and has literally lived upon the life and energy of my own support network, her actions were identical to what I would have done with my own bipolar. When I took all of the reactions and the emotions that bipolar would create, I could almost formulate the experiences of Emma exactly as she has experienced them. Yes, I am a man and I am never going to fully understand, but in some senses no one will ever really understand Emma except for perhaps the Lord. But I could see just how easily it could have occurred. Now, I've been in the darkest of places in my depression and anxiety, and I would have reacted identical to her outright rejecting the revelation. And when my illness was more managed, I could have seen the truth of the doctrine. When you are in the deepest of depression, you cannot feel the truth of things. 
depression, anxiety, and bipolar change your realities and the way you feel and work with spiritual promptings of truth. When I see Emma, Emma vacillating from acceptance to outright rejection and back again, I simply see the swings of a bipolar or even depressive episodes. The final note in evidence is that I will talk about today is called cycling. Through the various books I read, I, it noted specifically that Emma would at times work herself to the bone and then be sick for several weeks. Now, this was not just one simple occurrence or several occurrences. It appeared to happen many times in her life. If you were to explain outwardly the appearance and symptoms of bipolar, this is how it would be described. The energy to work in plenty during the mania and then the sickness descending upon the person for several weeks, only for that cycle to repeat itself. Considering the amount of stress and trauma she experienced, her swings could have been terrible on the depression side of things, and we actually do find her sick on a regular basis. I have spoken on these podcasts much about feeling physically sick and worn out because of bipolar symptoms. Emma was at times frequently sick and often after traumatic events. Now, if taken together, her solid testimony against the background of the genetics, several serious traumatic events, deep co codependencies, a lack of personal history, cycling illnesses, and vacillating emotional states, Emma appears to suffer with serious bouts of depression and anxiety, or even bipolar disorder. Now, while my list of evidence perhaps deserves a longer treatise, I believe that from what I have seen of Emma, that she suffered greatly. If it is true that she suffered from serious emotional difficulties brought about by bouts of mental illness, and ultimately, we will only know when we get to talk to her on the other side of the veil, then Emma's actions and reactions make sense. Staying in Nauvoo was probably her only option based on the illness. Leaving Joseph's body, and even the bodies of Hiram and Samuel, and the thought of Mother Smith perishing on the Great Plains would have paralyzed her emotionally. The deep depressive episode that likely ensued after the deaths of the brothers would have been terrible upon her mind and body. She would not have had the physical ability or strength to make the trek to Salt Lake Valley, to the Salt Lake Valley, and likely would have perished on the plains. If more had been known about mental illness at the time, perhaps the disagreements between her and Brigham could have been more easily resolved and understood. Ultimately, we will never know in this life. For me, though, I truly found Emma, that stalwart saint foreordained before this world to stand alongside Joseph and to be his companion. I regard her as a heroine in her time and one of the greatest to walk the earth. Her actions, while not always understood for me, appear to be nothing more than a significant trial of faith brought upon her by genetics, a series of traumatic events in time. If she suffered with such illnesses, then her actions appear all that more impressive to me and her life all that, all that more saintlier, or all that saintlier. I think I could say that she lived great and she died great, and will be classed among the most valiant of her time. For now, I will leave it for you to decide, and I will leave Emma with her beloved, with her beloved Joseph. Until next week.